0: You're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years. It's time for JT the Brick. The
1: business I chose, that is real. That is bleeping real right now. Why am I bringing this up? It's what I do best. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. I'm not going crazy on this one. I'm not. I'm not going crazy. Does anybody listen to me? We talk balls on sports radio. JT the Brick. I don't have notes online. It's off the top of my head. The whole radio show's off the top of my head. I don't have a three-hour pre-show meeting like those other guys where the interns write the show. It's all off the top of my head my head. We make memories on this show for the Raider Nation. Jump on with us. Do your job. Win these games. Let's be up. 10 points in the fourth quarter. Let's go in and shock the world. We are not the official show of the practice squad. I want to talk about the starters and the impact guys. We're going to put this team on the map. If this is too hardcore for you, turn the channel. Don't embarrass Bobby. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. No half-ass effort. I bring passion and energy for every second I'm on the radio. And now, it's a tweet. Don't take it too seriously. Here's JT the Brit. Out of the gate, JT with you on a busy day. Dare I say it is Patriot. It's week and it's a big game. It's an absolute big game. As we are ready to roll, good to have you today. we got a lot to get to. Very, very busy show today as we open it up. Brought to you by P.T.'s. They have the best happy hour in town. They fuel the monologue. They're doing so much, so much at all these great taverns across the valley here. I could barely keep up, and they're my fuel the monologue big advertiser here in partner. Love everything that they're doing at P.T.'s, and especially they're a proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights, the Golden Knights, One last night, that banner ceremony was incredible, absolutely incredible. So we're happy for everybody involved with that. We'll talk about it a little bit later on in the show. If you went to it last night, I want to hear all about it as VGK had their banner ceremony And they came through. P.T.'s Taverns raiding the pubs. We're excited about that. The prize pack, everything they're doing. And, hey, coming up here, a lot of other big locations I'll tell you about over the next week or two. I'm slammed. I'm slammed, but that's good. It's better than not being slammed. I was at the building today. We did Raiders Roundtable. Eddie Pascal myself and Lincoln Kennedy, we play that on Friday, the Lincoln segment. It's Really good to be in the building as they're winning. Always good to be in the building, but they're winning. So I did that. We had a big week last week leading up to the Green Bay game. We had a lot of great guests. Today I have Jared Valdeer. It's a name I haven't heard in a while. Former Raider offensive tackle who was supposed to have a long career with the Raiders and then the Raiders moved on from him, but he's once a Raider, always a Raider, and he's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Very interesting story as I've done some homework on him. Played with the Raiders from 2010 to 2013. Uh, If you look at him as a draft pick, he was a third-round pick overall in the 2010 draft. Went on to the Cardinals, the Broncos, the Patriots. The Packers, the Colts. So he bounced around the league a lot, but he's a part of the big Raider golf tournament here. He's bringing, they told me in my in the text, like 15 members of his family are coming to this game. And again, we have Robert Gowrie, former offensive lineman on. Guy loves the Raiders, and he played for the Patriots. Looking forward to connecting with him again. Uh, remember when we first met him, interviewed him coming off the draft, once a Raider, always a Raider, bottom of the hour. The number one Patriot insider by far. Number one uh, today is Tom Curran from NBC. He knows more about the Patriots than anybody I know. We hang out a lot at the Super Bowl, Radio Row. I'm going on his podcast, I believe, or NBC tonight. I'm going on there. It's Zooming me from home, and I'm going to do that later on. So I got to represent the Raiders. He's going to represent the Patriots. I'm going to U2 tonight. Nice, Maybe the toughest ticket I ever had to get. Got friends in town. We're going to U2, wife and I. So we're excited about that. Tomorrow I'm hosting this show from the Shriners Golf Tournament after I interview the head coach tomorrow morning and do my weekly Josh McDaniels interview for the the next 24 hours. It's going to be very interesting, and I will thread the needle and be on the radio show. Hey, we're out at Shriners tomorrow. If you're going to the golf tournament, we'll tell you how to get tickets. Just go. I'm telling you, with the weather that we have Please go to the golf tournament. You won't believe it. It's a hidden gem. We got NASCAR this weekend that I'm going out to. There's a lot happening here. Vegas Golden Knights, two home games. It's a gorgeous weekend, and we got a home game with the Patriots. And Saturday night at Ghost Bar from 5 to 8, I'm hosting an event with Fred Bolitnikoff. Only $25 bucks to get into the Ghost Bar? Are you serious? 25 bucks to get to the best view of the strip and meet Fred Bolitnikoff. We'll do a Q&A with Freddie Saturday night. I hope you can come out for that. So that's what I got going as we open up the show. All right, what do I think about the Patriots? Must win? You cannot beat Green Bay and lose to the Patriots. You, didn't, you did not beat Green Bay if you lose to the Patriots. Sitting here trying to figure out what this team's going to do, how this team's going to surprise us, how this team's going to make a run you got to beat the Patriots. So I, w- I went all in last week with my chips. I said it's a must win against Green Bay. I rarely do that. And then we had callers on the postgame show who pointed it out perfectly. If you don't beat the Patriots, why did you even play Green Bay and win? Forget about the Green Bay game if you don't beat the Patriots. I agree with that 100%. The Patriots are playing as poorly as any team in the NFL. And they're coming out here and they're banged up and injured. But there's so much more to this game. The mentor versus the coach. You look at everything that's happening, the Patriots organization and what Mark Davis is trying to accomplish with the Raider organization. There's no secret. Let me say this again about the Patriots. I've never liked the Patriots. I've never been a Patriot fan. You're aware of that. What this organization is trying to do is what the Patriots did over 19 years, win six Super Bowls. Also, they played in a couple other ones, if you didn't forget that. Eli Manning beat them twice. Thank God, you know, I have a statue in my backyard, a lifestyle, six-foot-nine statue of Eli Manning. Because if it wasn't for Eli Manning, the Patriots would have how many Super Bowls? They'd have nine. They'd, excuse me, they have six, they'd have eight. Eight Super Bowls if it wasn't for Eli Manning. I mean, do you understand what the Patriots did for 20 years? They went to all these Super Bowls. So we, the season ticket holders here, we are trying to do what the Patriots did. But I'm dealing with idiots online who goes, we don't want to be the Patriots. I'm dealing with people that small and ridiculous. They don't want to accomplish what the Patriots did. I look at them, I lower my sunglasses and said, what? No, no, I'd rather lose than, be, than, than hire a Patriot or be a Patriot. What's your problem with the Patriots? They're the greatest organization in the NFL the last 20 years, bar none. No one's close. So we tried to hire their GM, who wasn't the GM at the time, but a GM. We make him our GM, Dave Ziegler. The guy works his ass off for the Raiders and is just all over the building when I'm there trying to make the Raiders better. And Josh McDaniels, who won six Super Bowls, trying to replicate that if they can. They haven't. They have not. But come on, guys and gals. We're trying to win. you know how many games the Patriots played in the playoffs when the Raiders were home? you know how many Super Bowls the Patriots played in when the Raiders won five, six games? So this ties this game together. This is it. I'm just shocked by how Raider fans don't have any respect for the Patriots' accomplishments. As I said in the open, you don't have to like them. Just respect their accomplishments. The Lakers respect what the Celtics did. The Lakers respect what the Celtics did, and the Celtics respect what the Lakers do. Mark Davis and the Raiders respect what the Patriots have done. A number of coaches in that building have come from the Patriots, and they are used to winning much bigger games than the Green Bay game we won on Monday night, which was one of the, let me be careful, ugliest games I've ever been to, win or lose. So let's get our hats on today and figure out how to beat the Patriots. How do you do it? The Patriots worry me more than Green Bay. Here's why they're more desperate. They're more desperate, and Mac Jones could be playing in his last game. Last game as the Patriots quarterback, and I think he's going to play his ass off, and I think he's going to try to save his job, which could save his career. How's that for a whammy bomb in the monologue? That's who you're facing. Mac Jones is a good player. Played at a very high level in college. Came in, was a great rookie under Josh McDaniels, and now he's fighting for his job. And if he loses his job... I'm not saying that Bailey Zappi is the guy that's going to knock him out of the league. I'm not saying that. But it could be the beginning of the end of Bill Belichick, Mr. Kraft, Bill O'Brien going, you know, Mac Jones is not what he used to be. Let's get ready for the draft. It's the greatest quarterback draft we've had in a while. They don't tank. The Patriots would never tank. Never. Patriots tank? They don't even know what that word means. But this is a... Very important crossroads game for the Patriots. If they lose, the Raiders finish their season. Do you think Bill Belichick wants the guy he mentored, the guy who was in every meeting with him at all those Super Bowls, Josh McDaniels to end his year? Season's over if they lose. Over. They're done. They are finished if they lose in Vegas. What an effort you're going to get from them. They are fighting for their lives. Use the term wounded animal, whatever you want to use there. I respect that. I respect Belichick as one of the all-time greats, if not the greatest. And I respect Bill O'Brien. He's called a lot of great plays throughout his career, just like Josh McDaniels. I think they are going to empty out the playbook draw and throw everything at us and try to win the game. If that doesn't catch your sense of urgency and attention, I don't know what will. This is not a walkover game. Conversely, I go to the Raider side. What the hell is going on with this offense? It's making me look bad. I spent the whole offseason in love with this offense. Oh, my God. I had posters up of this offense. You want to hear the guys on this offense? Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh Jacobs, Jakob Johnson, Colton Miller, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, Michael Mayer, Trey Tucker, DeAndre Carter, Austin Hooper, and they could barely get a first down. I'm sitting here going, what is going on with this offense? I, I love this offense. I'm the guy saying on this channel, this offense is the strength of this team. All this team has to do is get this offense going, and they could put up 30 a game, maybe surprise a team or two, beat all of these other teams that are scrap metal on the side of the road next four out of five games out in Detroit, and the Raiders could have a puncher's chance. But not if the offense can't get going. What is the problem with this offense's identity? That's the show today with respect and energy because I love the offense. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not a guy just, you know, crumpling up papers going, we're done. We don't have an offense. This offense has the ability to be very good. Notice I didn't say great. I can't say great because the offensive line isn't great. The offensive line isn't even very good. The offensive line on their best day is good on their wor- on their average day their average and they've played games this year where they've been flat out below average if not bad so how am i going to put this offense where i need it to be unless the offensive line wakes up so as you can tell i'm concerned about this game i think this game's going to be tough cuz every raider game i go to it's tough there's no easy ones I mean, my wife's pacing the hall at halftime every game. I'm trying to get an easy win. I want to be up 31-7 to in one of these home games. Let's go. Let's go. Let's wake this up on the flagship station. 702-365-9200. Give me the one thing today, one thing that you think could fix this offense and snap your fingers and get it going. What is it? I don't know what it is. I thought I had the answers. I obviously don't. I thought they would be really good. I'm a Jimmy G guy. I like Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G is a winner, man. He's a winner. But I I don't know why Jimmy G is struggling. I don't know why Jimmy G is not throwing deep. I don't know why Jimmy G is not going through his progressions. I don't know why Jimmy G can't find Hunter Renfro. I I don't know. I think he's pretty good at all the things that he's supposed to be good at. Is it because the offensive line isn't giving him ample protection? Yeah, I think there's something to that. Is it because the offensive line is worse than we thought it would be? Yeah, yeah. Could it be true that Jimmy G, missing all of that time in the offseason in camp, recovering from surgery, is just not ready in the first four or five games? Yeah, that could be true. But I'll tell you one thing this quarterback, this quarterback's got to play better. He's got to play better. He's the franchise quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders, and he's got to play like a franchise quarterback. He's got to give this team an opportunity to score over 20 points a game. So Mad Max Crosby, who congratulations, Max, is the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. So, yeah, it could have been, I could have went to Robert Spillane. Eddie Paschal and I did the podcast today. Eddie made a good point. When was the last time two Raider defenders were in contention for the AFC Defensive Player of the Week? Name the time. I don't remember it. And you had Robert Spillane coming off two interceptions, and you had the performance of Mad Max. I cannot believe I am sitting here. I am in shock, by the way. Jared's looking at me like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my head's going to pop. I cannot believe I'm sitting here talking about the Raiders being better on defense than offense. I am shocked I just said that. with Devontae Adams? Jacoby Myers? Hunter Renfro? Michael Mayer? What's going on? This offense, we demand that they wake up. What is going on? What is the missing point? As I say, run the plays in Henderson. Run them again. Run them again and again. No one's allowed to go home. No one's allowed to go to dinner. No one's allowed to go back home. Read a bedtime story. Run the play again. And we want to run that exact play at Allegiant Stadium to perfection. I know that's what the coach does. This coach is a legend at running an offensive practice. How dare anybody question that? Now, you can say it's not clicking now, and that's what we're talking about. It's not clicking between the coach and Jimmy G and Devontae or this or that or the offensive line. That's why we're having an open conversation here with respect to everybody involved because we want everyone involved to succeed. But this is the group that I expect to be very good every game. If they have an off game, if Jimmy G has a game like he had against Denver and Green Bay, where he didn't play well, but they won. And I thought he played better in Denver. I thought he played really good in Denver. You know, ran, ran the ball when he had to, moved up in the pocket. That's not the same Jimmy G in, in the Denver game that I've watched the last month. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Jimmy G. I think he can fix it. I'm very confident that Jimmy G can fix this and get it done. 100% confident that he can do it. I just don't know how. And I talk to the big boys in the building, James Jones, Eric Allen, all the, all the, every coach I get a chance to bump into. Uh, what, what's it going to take to get it going? I think what it's going to take is this offensive line. This offensive line has got to play better. And if they don't play better, get the guys who are starting to the bench and give the guys on the bench the opportunity to play. We need better production on the offensive line. I wouldn't touch Colton Miller. I wouldn't touch Andre James because he plays center. It's tough to replace the center unless the center's injured. And then everybody else, Illuminor, you're down. Mumford, you're up. We, 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 we switch out. I think Parham I like a lot because he's young. I want to develop him. But the offensive line has to play at a better level. And then we got to figure out what's going to happen with Hunter Renfro. I've been very patient on that topic. Very patient on that topic because if Hunter is not going to be able to play explosive, then we got to get another defensive player before the trade deadline. And I would hate to see that happen. I love Hunter. Who doesn't love Hunter Enfro? What a guy. What an amazing guy. And a great Raider, over 100 receptions. But if it just doesn't fit, then you got to go find someone on defense that can tackle somebody. And that will help the Raiders even more. If you're not going to throw to him, go get some guy who can tackle and play and intercept the ball. But I'd rather keep Hunter. So I'm rolling today. This is a big game. This gets this radio show to three and three, this fan base to three and three with the Chicago Bears, the Jets, and the Giants. We'll trip to Detroit and stop with Detroit's like world beaters. Give me a break. They had to put up a statue of Barry Sanders because no one could name another player who played for Detroit in 40 years. Okay, don't act like Detroit. Don't act like Detroit or the Patriots of the last 20 years. We can, we can put up a fight with Detroit, but the offense, you would all agree, the offense has to be fixed before the Detroit game. You can win. We saw the win against Green Bay. You don't have to play great offense, and you can beat Green Bay and Denver, but you can't beat Detroit, Kansas City. You can't beat these teams without an offense that's humming. The topic of the show today is how to get this offense moving. Chris in West Oakland begins the show. Hello, Chris.
2: Hey, JC, first off, I want to quick disagree with
3: you with one thing. You said you never thought the defense would be the strength of this team. I'm not ready to say the defense is a strength of this team. I think both units have been pretty substandard. This defense has been okay against Denver and Green Bay, two offenses that I'm convinced if the Raiders' defense left the field, they'd still need three or four plays to score. I do think you can beat teams like the Jets, the Bears, the Patriots even – with the offense not humming you're not going to hold detroit you're right detroit hasn't been the patriots but detroit's offense is way too good for the raiders to hold the 17 points but i'm not even going to look that far down the road i don't play the schedule game the raiders have to show me they can win two games in a row before we can talk about winning three or four or four out of five so that being said the defense played okay the other night but they we talked about this before they finally gave me what i asked for three interceptions Twice they set him up on a short field, and the offense still can only score seventeen points. Here's I'm going to stick with the topic, and I'll call uh, later in the week with a prediction for the game. What I think this offense needs to be for a change, and it's what we talked about in the offseason, My argument against Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not saying he's horrible, but you love you love to talk about system. He runs a system. I don't care about system. I want the most talented player, and I'll teach him the system. Jimmy G since 2019, J- JT. Has only completed six passes of more than thirty yards down the field. It's who he is. He was protected by the Niners. I just think fundamentally for this offense to really click and give us the explosive plays we need, Jimmy G has to fundamentally change his way of thinking, change who he is. I don't know if Coach McDaniels coaches him up. I don't know if they work on it in practice, and Jimmy G just does, doesn't do it. But I do know this: you're never going to spring Josh McDaniels loose because the defenses keep springing us creeping up 8, nine, ten guys in the box because there's absolutely no fear of Jimmy G going over the top. So at some point, it's like Raider Moore used to say, take a shot or two early in the game just to show the defense you're willing to do it. The Raiders have the weapons. I'm just worried that the trigger man they have, that's just not his game. I'm not criticizing him. That's the way he's played his whole career. The Raiders knew that. And I'm not here saying they need to replace him with a kid. I'm not saying that at all. But for this offense to utilize its talent with Devontae Adams, Tucker, some of the speed they have, even Michael Mayer, how about a deep seam route down the middle? Jimmy G has to fundamentally change the way he plays quarterback, or I don't know if I see this offense getting better because if he keeps playing the same way he does, we're not going to have any explosive plays. And you can't score 25 or 30 points in a game grinding it out on first and second down, You know, there's always so many 10- or 12-play drives in a game you have. Hey, Chris, hey,
1: Chris, Chris, I've seen Ayuk and Debo run 15- and 22-yard crossing routes with Kittle going up the seam wide open, hit on a dime, taken into the end zone by Jimmy G multiple times. What are you talking about? You want, the well, ball to, you want the ball to go in the air 60 yards or, or 50 yards? I agree with you. But the way the Niners ran those crossing routes with Debo and Iuke, heads were on a swivel. They couldn't keep it. And we got Devontae and Jacoby Myers. I'll well, put them up against those two guys all day long.
3: Well, if you want to look at it that way, JT... So far with Brock Purdy, that offense is a hell of a lot more explosive than it ever was with Jimmy G. 15 to 20 yards is about his limit. At least Brock Purdy will air it out once in a while. You're just, JT, you, you even watch the game. You want to know why they're scoring 17 points a game? Because they're getting no explosive plays. And maybe Kyle Shanahan scheme's better. I don't know. And I will say this. You watched that game the other night. 49 receivers seem to be wide-ass open. Brock Purdy's not exactly throwing into tight windows. All I'm saying is... I believe to get explosive plays, Jimmy G's got to push the ball down the field a little bit more because those 15- and 20-yard crossing routes don't open up unless there's the threat of a 30- or a 40-yard pass over their head. That's all I'm saying mm-hmm. because up to now, uh, what's, what's his longest completion on the year been? 40, 50 yards, which was a catch and run, I believe, once by Devontae. He's got to look to open up once in a while, or McDaniels has to beat that into his head and practice. That's all all I'm saying. I'm not criticizing. I'm not saying he sucks. I'm not calling for his job. But who he has been his entire career, JT, is this guy. The offense with the Niners right now is a lot more explosive than it was with Jimmy G, and I think there's a reason for that. He doesn't like to throw the ball downfield. Okay. Anyway, we'll talk more. Thanks. About, uh, and, uh, again, I, I thought I was pretty respectful there. What? I just wanted to see Jimmy G have a little bit more gunslinger mentality. That's all I'm Absolutely. I, my...
1: I believe in Jimmy G. Thank you, Chris. Good phone call as always. We can agree to disagree. We can agree with a lot. With Jimmy G, I think Jimmy G can throw every pass ever known to man. I also think that every NFL quarterback, everyone in this league who made it to the NFL, could also throw every ball, or you wouldn't be in the NFL. Jimmy G can throw it 45 yards on a dime, 50 yards on a dime, 37 yards on a dig route. Whatever you want him to throw, he can do it all. Now we got to get it going. Now it's time to roll. Hear the energy of the show? Raiders just won a game. I think they're going to win this game and start rolling but they're only going to roll The only way they're rolling is with jimmy g jimmy g has got to get on his horse and get going tequila commissario smooth the reserves the best i ever had award-winning jared valdeer coming up
3: three tight ends in the game for the packers ball to the right now they move ben sims into the backfield snap play action love looking downfield he's wrapped up in the backfield guess who max crosby
1: again he came off the edge and got him down for a sack
3: this jt the brick legends moment is brought to you by m resort the official team headquarters hotel of the las vegas raiders welcome
1: back everybody jt you heard the mad max Highlight there, what a game. He is the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Had a brilliant game, and Mad Max is rolling right now in contention. I mean, we've only gone through five, six weeks now for Defensive Player of the Year, and it's a stacked group, obviously, with all the great players who play his position and similar ones around the league. All right, we always talk on Wednesday to former Raiders, once a Raider, always a Raider. Jared Valdir, kind enough to join us. And, Jared, I'm thrilled you're coming out here. Everyone in the alumni department says you got a lot of family, friends coming out here. Good to talk to
2: you. Yeah, thanks for having me on
1: a great setup for you. So, with the golf tournament, the Patriots game, you played with the Patriots for a short period of time. You started off as a Raider. What does it mean for you to come back and see the Las Vegas Raiders and be around this community and especially this alumni department?
2: Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to take my kids to a Raiders game and for them to see the atmosphere at a Raiders game. Because there's nothing like it.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you know it from the Oakland days. I want to go back to your story and how you began from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then Forest Hills Northern High School, and then what was very interesting, where you played college and what you did at a smaller school to bring you up to a third-round pick overall. What was the most unique part of that early journey for you?
2: Man, I think it was just falling in love with the game of football, mixed with kind of being a late bloomer and developing later, which, you know, took me to a Division II school. But that's where I, I really fell in love with, you know, being an O-lineman and had some great coaches. Got stronger, faster, committed myself to the weight room. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough for uh, for Al Davis to, to take a chance on me and uh, became a Raider.
1: Yeah, Al Davis doesn't take chances on guys normally unless they can play and had such upside. You went in the third round, the 69th pick from Hillsdale College Division Two. so I love this story. What changed for you in the weight room? You, you already had the love of the game. What did Mr. Davis and the staff and the offensive line coaches and scouts see with you at that time? Did you, did you think you were going to be a Raider because they wanted to kind of hide you out, knowing that you were really good? How did you drop to the Raiders? How'd they find you?
2: Yeah, so I knew that I was definitely on their radar. They had me out for an official visit, and they came and worked me out at Hillsale. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I had a chance when I was out there on my visit and uh, got to meet Mr. Davis before I left. And,
4: you know, we're in
2: his suite at the at the Airport Hilton there mm-hmm. off Hagenberger Road you
0: know sure. right?
2: and uh you know he he's talking with me you know just exchanging some small talk and you know then he asked me to uh to lift up my my pant leg I had long pants on you know trying to look nice cuz uh, he said he wanted to see my calves wanted to see the calf structure <laughs> wow. and uh and yeah, if by God, I guess those caps got me drafted. He liked what he saw. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible because that's a
1: classic Mr. Davis story. I've been privy to so many. That not that what's amazing about Mr. Davis is the way he evaluated talent and, and had those little nuances where he could ask you something like that, and it really made a difference. I mean, you're honest with it, and Mr. Davis
2: wouldn't have asked unless he wanted to know. Yeah, I think that's what made him great was just taking yeah. a, a – holistic approach and just seeing it differently and kind of you know he was a great disruptor in the space of of football professional football especially the nfl is what it is today because of him and you know a a guy like that is you know his approach is always going to be different and
1: that's what made him successful. Jared Valdir joins us once a Raider, always a Raider. So you come in to the Raiders and they're looking at you. You play center early, you play left tackle. What was that journey like? I was there on the sidelines back in the day for that. And, you know, the upside you had, the size and the strength as a young player in this league, did, do you look back and regret that they moved you around too much where well, you could have stayed in one position? Or was that good for you for other teams eventually to see that you could play multiple positions?
2: Yeah, you know what, I'm thankful that I got moved back to, to tackle after the little uh, sit at center. I think Mr. Davis caught wind somehow that I played a little center in high school, and he wanted to have a, a tall center on the line. You know, he, liked, he liked his size and speed, so that's where he was going to try to plug me in. But uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the opening weekend game that I started versus Tennessee didn't go so hot. There were some, some errant snaps and whatnot. I got moved back to, to left tackle. And uh, and that was really where I was able to settle in. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to get back to that natural spot.
1: Jared Valdez is our guest. So correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know all the details to the story. But when you left in free agency to the Cardinals, that was a monster contract back then. I mean, they're much bigger now. But five-year, $35 million with the, with the guaranteed money, was that a case that you got an offer you couldn't refuse? What was the backstory there on how you left the Raiders?
2: Yeah, you know, and that was tough, and it was kind of a, it was a kind of a weird time, I feel like, just because there was so much in flux with, with the Raiders, especially, you know, uh, Mr. Davis had passed a couple mm-hmm. years before, um, I know that the management had recently changed, and, you know, that management has changed again since then, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so there was just kind of a lot up in the air, and, uh, you know, it shook out how it shook out, but... You know, I'm just grateful that I was, you know, able to, to start my career in Oakland and, uh, you know, just some, some wonderful memories there. And You know, that's just kind of a – that's the one side of, you know, professional football is, you know, the unfortunate business side because, you know, you put so much in with the team and an organization and, you know, you fall in love with the place and, you know, sometimes it just doesn't shake out.
1: Well, look, you know, that's what life's all about. You know, once a Raider, always a Raider. Fortunately – you know, the early part of your career where a lot of these fans know you were with the Raiders and they welcome you back. You're a big part of what's going to happen this weekend. So let's wrap it up. Tell me about your family, the kids, and what this means. I know they're excited to go to the game, but what's it like as a dad to be able to do that as a former football player and be wanted so much by this organization?
2: Yeah, it's awesome. It's a privilege. Uh, I have an 8-year-old girl, 6-year-old boy, and uh, a newborn girl. And, you know, they're they're always plugged in to to watching uh, football on Sundays and cheering for the Raiders. And my son is a huge Raiders fan. Goes to school every day with a Raiders backpack. He's got his Raiders football. He's hoping that uh, we can pick up a Devontae Adams jersey when we're out there. He's all about it.
1: That is so good. I think the fans love that. And we're happy to welcome you back. We'll see you out at the game. And, Safe travels. I, I, I will see you at the game, and thanks to Shannon and the whole entire department, Callie and Katie, because they're excited to get you on the radio. Happy you could do this today. Really appreciate you.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. You got it.
1: Jared Valdear. Nice story. Nice story. Uh, came into the Raiders, had high hopes. I remember the t- I remember when he signed the deal with the Cardinals, and I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. how much money? And that's why I think he left. He got, a, got an insane contract as an offensive lineman that was at center, moved around and he lightly said it, the organization, you know, after the change of Mr. Davis passing and he got an opportunity to go somewhere else for his family and make a lot of money, but he's coming back and his kids are Raider fans. He's going to be at the game. So hopefully you'll see Jared Valdir at the game against the Patriots and good guy. Happy to talk to him. All right, let's get out to the phones. Jay in Vegas. Thanks for being patient. Go ahead. Thanks for calling in.
0: Hey, thanks for the call JT. Yep, uh, Man, that, the exchange between you and Chris, man, that's money. That's radio right there. And I agree with both of you, as a matter of fact. You know, um, as far as, like, with with what Chris was saying, um, you know, he's absolutely correct. The the problem with this whole offense is that, you know, they don't respect Jimmy G's arm, and they crowd the box, and that's why – that's the reason why Josh Jacobs can't really get anything going because you have a lot of – you know, you have all the defenders basically creeping up because there's no deep threat. And so, you know, and it's no coincidence that in the Charger game, that was probably Josh Jacobs' best game so far is because they did take some shots deep, you know, with Aiden O'Connell and kind of kept the defense honest. But where you're correct, JT, is that our offensive line is not very good. And look what the result was with Aiden O'Connell. He thought, you know, first game, obviously jitters. um, Probably thought that he would have enough time, but obviously he didn't. So, you know, that's probably why Jimmy G – is really zeroing in on, on Jacoby and, and Devontae. And so I, I think a way that you could, you know, solve this problem, you know, is in my opinion, you get about, what, 35 to 40 plays throughout the game. I mean, they have to draw up a play like they did on Monday night with Michael Mayer, that those opening, that opening play. You need to draw up five targets just for him where he's the number one. And if it's not there, we'll throw it away because you're not going to have the time to go through your per- – to, you know through the mm-hmm. progressions you know do it up uh, do the same thing with Hunter Renfro you have to get these guys involved whether you complete or not you have to target them to keep the defense honest and mm-hmm. I think that's one way where you could solve that and kind of open up some holes when you do play action or when you do uh, you know hand it off to Jacobs you know there might be some some holes because maybe they you know the defense mm-hmm. is spread out a little bit more now the second thing I, I got to say I, have a, mm-hmm. I put a lot of thought into this JT and not for this game coming up because I think Josh McDaniels matching up with Bill Belichick, I think that's, that's uh, you know, he knows his, the tendencies, and it, that, that could, that's our strength. Mm-hmm. But really, JT, you know what I'm really thinking about? And it might sound like a negative, but I don't really think it is. I think it has potential to be something great. I think it's about time that Josh McDaniels delegates the play calling to Mick Lombardi. There is nothing wrong with that. We've had great coaches. Andy Reid did it with uh, enemy. You know, uh, I like.
1: Let me just, stop you because I got a guest coming up. I appreciate the call. No, don't even hang up. I'm, Josh okay. McDaniels not giving up play calling. I talked to Mick. Mick's a good guy. He's a good young coach. Josh McDaniels is the play caller of the last twenty years. Caller of record, he's not giving up his play sheet. If he gets more aggressive, if he plays more up tempo, if he does everything we often talk about on the show, that's open for debate. I don't think mid-season or early part of the season, Coach McDaniel's is giving up play calling.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, the reason why I mentioned that, JT, Mm -hmm. is because he said it himself in the press conference. He detailed um, the differences between when he was a coordinator versus Mm -hmm. now when he's a coach, and I think. You know, um, if he were to delegate those play calling, mm-hmm. he could take a step back. And I, I have confidence mm-hmm. in Mick. I think Mick can call a good game. Yeah, I so really do I. think so. And so if he can step back, because the thing mm-hmm. is, too, also that we're seeing, JT, is that sometimes there's problems with clock issues. There have been clock management mm-hmm. issues this year. And I think if he, if he could take a step back and look at the game as a mm-hmm. whole, Whereas if he sees what the defense is giving and he can chime in to Mick Lombardi, I think that could really refine his overall head coach. Interesting,
1: interesting opinion you have. I completely disagree with it, and I don't think it'll happen. But you have a strong opinion, and everybody who has strong opinions, see how respectful he was? He didn't say fire the coach, coach this, that. He said, hey, what about delegating this or that? I disagree. I want to see him call great plays, which I've seen him call all the time. Mostly with the Patriots before he came here. So I want to see the playbook expand, get more aggressive, and do all that. I think Mick Lombardi's in every meeting with him. So they're talking about the plays and what to do and with the game. And Patrick Graham is a very good defensive coordinator around the league. Most people around the league, not on Raider Nation Radio. Sorry, guys and gals, but the people around the league think that Patrick Graham's pretty good and he's showing it now. So Coach McDaniels doesn't have to worry about the defense. He has a defensive coordinator who's in charge of that. And he answers to the coach. Mick Lombardi answers to Josh McDaniels. All the coaches do. I just think the offense needs to play differently, more aggressively and faster. That's all I'm saying. I think that if it plays a little bit faster, I think things will open up a little bit more. Robert in Portland. Let me get you up here quickly before we have uh, Jeff Sherman on. Go ahead, Robert.
0: Yeah, JT.
2: Um, Preston Smith and Eniglop Berry. Eniglop Berry, a few
3: linebackers. Did mm-hmm. you notice it was? Uh, this has been a, a trait all season, even in the Denver game, the opening season, free unblocked defenders have been notoriously – is that because Jimmy's not spotting it? What's going on? You plotted up about three weeks ago. It happened again, you know, on Monday. It, it shouldn't be happening. I'm not saying that – The scheme's causing it, and they're out-scheming us. But, you know, those are two linebackers that came blowing in, and they weren't even touched. And they ruined drives that were, you know, turning into something. And that's been a problem all year.
1: It has been. I agree with you. Uh, The problem I have is that the Raiders have to leave in a back or they have to leave in a tight end to chip or block. One less receiver out there to make a play. And the offensive line, at times, are missing blocks completely. Completely. And that's got to be fixed. Yeah, when when linebackers and defenders are going and blocked, not blocked at all, freely getting into the backfield and blowing up Jimmy G. Or how about Khalil Mack and what he did against Aiden O'Connell? That's got to be fixed. Everybody knows that, and that's the job of the coaches to do that. What I thought this offensive line would do and be better at is shedding their block, in the run game and getting to the linebacker and putting their hands on a linebacker. Four to six yards downfield, and Josh would be running like a freight train behind an old lineman who tossed a defensive tackle to the side and now is putting his hands on a linebacker. That's what they get paid to do. I don't get paid to do that. They get paid to do that. Now let's go. Patriots in town. They're going to be fired up to do it. Well, look at the line in this game. Hey, how are you going to bet the Raider game? You won't believe the information we have coming up next. Jeff Sherman joins us from the
3: Westgate. Bodied off by Stevenson. Pops loose to the circle. Stone starts it out. Eichel shoots and scores! Eichel from Stone. 4-1 Vegas. Empty netter with a
0: minute 15 to play in the third period. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by the Black Hole. Become a member of football's most notorious fans.
1: All right, Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate, VP of Risk Management. He was at the Golden Knights last night. Jeff, how great was it? Tell me about the banner ceremony.
4: Uh, exciting as can be. You know, it was worth every penny and uh, enjoyable experience. We missed game five last year, so we had to make it there for that. And, uh, family had a great time.
1: Overall odds now for the Golden Knights to win to repeat Where's the big challenge going to come from?
4: Yeah, they're sitting at 10-1 to 1 right now. We had them 12-1 before yesterday's win, but the money keeps coming in right wow. now. They pose our largest liability on the Stanley Cup. So, uh, But we're seeing some support for Edmonton and the Rangers as uh, two competitors.
1: That's interesting to me. So 12 to shorter odds at 10 that quickly off of one game, that didn't have anything to do with one game, did it? How, how could that be?
4: Well, We've had liability on them accruing mm-hmm. over the summer and then usually, you know, those those games on a banner or a ring ceremony or a letdown spot mm-hmm. and they showed no signs of a letdown there. So we just adjusted down because of the accumulation of liability.
1: Okay, the Raiders aren't playing well but they came off a victory. Their defense did. New England's been awful the last couple of weeks. The line opened up Las Vegas minus one and a half. It's now three. Where's the money coming in on this Raider game hosted New England?
4: Yeah, we adjusted up to the Raiders 3, and we recently took some sharp play on the Patriots plus 3 even, so we flipped the price to New England plus 3 minus 20, Raiders minus 3 even. Uh, And, you know, the tough thing about this is what happened with New England getting blown out at home like they did, professional teams that get embarrassed like that, it's usually a good spot for them the following week, so I understand the support for the Patriots.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. That's an excellent point for the Sharps, the gamblers who are listening to us, the novices, Belichick was embarrassed, the worst loss ever at home in a shutout. Normally in the next spot, they jump out and play better. We'll keep an eye on that. One of the live dogs I like a lot, and I liked it for weeks until I saw San Francisco beat Dallas is Cleveland. Cleveland's back home now, and I believe you have it here, uh, San Francisco uh, minus 7 in this game. Am I right with that? San Francisco minus 7, that big of a favorite on the road in Cleveland.
4: Yeah, it's been creeping higher, and we just went to seven today because it's looking unlikely again for Deshaun Watts. Right. So that thing could even go higher than seven if he is indeed ruled out. But it's been creeping up with uh, news of him not exactly fully in hell.
1: Uh, Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate. Uh, the Denver Denver looks like they're in disarray with Kansas City. Coming up on Thursday night, looking at this game, uh, 10 and a half here for Kansas City, and I think Denver eventually, Sean Payton, going to get in the air and Russell Wilson and wake him up. I think the offense has the ability to get moving. It's just the Denver defense, which came and build pretty good, not playing well.
4: Yeah, and we haven't seen too much movement on the side. It's been pretty steady at 10.5, but there has been sharp play on the under from 49 down to 47, and Kansas City's defense has looked exceptional this season.
1: Uh, Jeff Sherman joins us. I love the way Baker Mayfield and Tampa Bay's playing. And Detroit opens up a three-point favorite. You still have it here at three. Detroit, a three-point road favorite at Tampa Bay. And at times when Tampa Bay's healthy and Baker's clicking, they're a tough out. How do you see that one?
4: Yeah, we're sitting at minus three, minus 20. And that game, uh, being an afternoon game, I expect more Lions support to show up. I can see that increasing up maybe to three and a half. After the morning session is done, the Lions have been an extremely public team this season. Uh,
1: Chargers are coming off their bye week. They just beat the Raiders. Uh, there are two. I think you have it at two. Dallas minus two on the road at the Chargers. We know a lot of Dallas fans are going to be there more so than Charger fans here. Same thing for Dallas. They got even more embarrassed than the Patriots because they were on the road. Jerry Jones. What happened in San Francisco? They got boat raced. Do you expect them to bounce back here?
4: Yeah, I expect the same type of thing, and we just took some sharp money on Dallas minus two. It just went to Mm -hmm. minus two and a half as we speak.
1: Okay, that's interesting to see. One more game before I ask you a couple NBA questions. Philadelphia. They look loaded. I, I don't know where the liability is with you with Philadelphia long-term compared to San Francisco, but the Jets' defense is legit, and maybe Zach Wilson wakes up and plays more consistently. That's a big number. I know it moved from 6.5 to the initial open line. It's at 7 now here for Philadelphia. A lot of people respect the Jets' defense.
4: Yeah, I was surprised to see this hit 7. We opened 6.5, and, and I thought that was about right. 7 mm-hmm. is a big number on the road, especially with a low total and the defense like you're talking about. But it's, it's tough because the Eagles not having lost, the public keeps supporting them. Moneyline, teasers, every which way. So we expect more Eagles support.
1: Uh, finally, with Baltimore get knocked out, the Dodgers have their back up against the wall. I know there's liability for the Dodgers going all the way. I thought it was going to be the Braves and the Dodgers and the NLCS. What do you see here lately with the odds changing with the Dodgers now with their back against the wall?
4: Yeah, up to 18-1 now, and we're Ooh. actually in a pretty good position on the Dodgers. So we have liability on the Rangers, Astros, and Phillies. So Dodgers up to 18-1, needing to win three in a row just to get out of this round.
1: And with the NBA right around the corner, uh, favorite odds for the NBA for the NBA title?
4: Yeah, right now it's the Bucs and Celtics each at 4-1 to one after the trade mm-hmm. they made in the last couple weeks, and that's followed by defending champion Denver at 5-1. to one.
1: Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Appreciate you.
4: All right. Thanks,
1: JT. That's Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. I always tell everybody, go to the Westgate. If you want the best experience at a sports book, the best, best service, best crew behind the scenes, it's clearly the Westgate, the sharpest book in the country, let alone Vegas. Thanks to Jeff Sherman for coming on. Golden Knights go from 12 to 10, 10 to 1 for our Vegas Golden Knights.